outside, but we have the presence of the Son of God in our midst, and His Spirit is here with us today, and we just simply thank Him and we praise Him for that. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, dear Lord, for this day. God, as there are people across this state and across this United, this, this country, I, you know, God, I pray, dear Lord, as we are worshiping and we are calling out and praising Your name. God, that you would receive this as a sweet incense unto you. God, because you are the only one that is worthy of our praise. You are the one that this day is for. And we glorify you in everything that we say and everything that we do. God, this is the day that we come and we rest in your mighty presence. But God, this is the day that we come to be transformed into more like your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask that for you all to stand as we go and we worship our Lord and Savior today in song and word. Every knee will bow. 
worship for service. Let's think about how, God, how great our God is. God is greater, our God 
God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand awesome that this morning we know that our God is for us and when he is for us nothing can stand against us because we have the power and the authority so we're going to sing this next song basically saying more about how great is our Lord and let's sing it with all our breath give our hearts and our minds and just raise and glorify him
praise. He is worthy of our love. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. And God, where we are right now, God, we bow before you. We humble ourselves because we know who you are. We humble ourselves before the one that has created all things that has created us. We bow before you in your mercy and your power and your love. And God, our hearts cry out to you this morning. There are those that are here that cry out in their pain. And God, I pray that you would touch them. God, there are those that have physical pain. I pray that you would touch that as well. God, there are those today that are facing uncertainty. God, I pray that you would speak into that uncertainty. God, there are those that are here today, God, that just simply need rest. Rest from the struggles of life. Rest from the battles with Satan rest from the battles in the family. God, I pray that you give them rest today. God, we honor you in bringing to you everything that we have. We glorify you today, acknowledging to ourselves and to this world that you are the only one that can provide for us. God, we corporately call out to you. We corporately call out to you right now for this nation. God, we call out to you for this state and this world that we are in and and the chaos that's in its midst. 
together, God, we join with the churches across South Carolina, with the churches in Rock Hill, with the churches across this whole United States. God, we call out because we are broken. And the only one that can put us together is your son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for us. And the Holy Spirit that you sent to this earth to live within us and to guide us and to direct us. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we call upon your name today. asking for you to intervene in our lives. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, I would like to welcome everyone here today, and I would like to welcome those that are joining us online. For this wonderful service today. As we are making our preparations, I would ask that you would turn to Psalms, and we're going to look at this familiar Psalms today. So we're going to go to Psalms chapter 23. Psalms chapter 23 is possibly the most loved Psalms of all. This is a Psalms that whenever we look at this here, we can see how it would delight children as it calls them to find a, uh, you know, a savior or the one that is their shepherd. We also rejoice in this and we see the rejoicing of the faithful knowing that he pursued us and that he is going to see this to the end. He will not stop pursuing us. We also look into this passage here and we see that it emboldens or it empowers those that are on their deathbed. It also comforts those that are grieving. And this passage of scripture is built on an ever familiar metaphor that would have been for those of the ancient days of the scriptural days, but it's not too far-fetched for us today to understand this metaphor as well, as this metaphor is of a shepherd. Whenever we look at this, we get this understanding that the flock is totally dependent upon its shepherd. The shepherd will produce everything that they need. The, the shepherd will produce guidance for them. The shepherd will provide for them. The shepherd is also their physician in the times of their ailment. And the shepherd is also the one that defends for them. The shepherd is their ever companion. Wherever they go, the shepherd will be. For us, it's not that you know it's it's not that familiar, but we do have this understanding of it, right? We've listened to it, and we do know something about sheep. We know that sheep are they're not very wise. Let's kind of put it that way. Sheep need someone to protect them and to guide them in their path. Sheep will wander away if they do not have a steady voice 
to keep them or if they don't have the fence that would keep them within a certain place. So a shepherd is something that is needed. But there's something special here in this passage of Scripture because until this time, God had not been used in this metaphor. Up until this time, you would have heard the leaders or the kings or the leaders of a community that would have been signified or would have been talked about as far as being the shepherd of their nation or the shepherd of their flock or their group of people. But this is the first time or one of the first times that we see that God is mentioned as the shepherd. So whenever the psalmist writes this and we read this out and we see this, I want you to picture and get this understanding of how shocking this would be for them. Because David is talking about Yahweh. We know today that in the Hebrews and that in the biblical times that they wouldn't even speak the name Yahweh and they wouldn't even write it out because it was so sacred and so holy of a name that they wouldn't call it out. But yet we see in this particular passage of Scripture that Yahweh becomes a specific person's shepherd. So Yahweh, the one that created everything, the one that sustains everything, God Almighty, the one and true God of heaven and of earth, He is their shepherd. For us today, we might not see that as such of a great or such of a tremendous statement Because we have been taught all of our lives as Christians and even non-Christians has been spoken in words and in terms that lets us know that God wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. So today we look at this and, and I want us to look into this passage of scripture because of where we are today. Let's face it, this pandemic that we are in and this time that we are dealing with, it's unprecedented. There is no one sitting here that has gone through a pandemic in this magnitude and in the manner that we're going through it right now. So this is all brand new for us. This social distancing that we've had and this fact that we have been had that we've been staying at home. Staying at home alone. I don't know how many of you, how many of you, whenever they locked down and they sent us into home, you know, house arrest where we were barricaded into our home. No, but none of us really ever barricaded ourselves into our home, did we? But we were supposed to go into our home and, and stay there unless we had to go out and get food or medication. 
How many of you in that point in time opened up your home for your kids to come and spend the next month with you? I didn't see any hands raised, and I must probably know that nobody out there on the internet raised their hands either. Whenever it said stay home alone, I know for Peggy and I, I was like, oh, praise the Lord. No, I'm kidding. But as the weeks went along, man, I really began to be tired. Peggy is such of a busybody. I mean, she's not a busybody. She's a busy person. She loves to work. And to try to get her, man, you should see the crafts that's sitting around our house now because of those two weeks. I tell you. I don't know, how many of y'all have ever seen those? I guess if you've been in the military, you would have seen these spoons. But she had an uncle that was in the Navy, and he was actually a cook on one of the ships. And he brought back spoons. So she has spoons and she has ladles from off of the ship. And I'm talking about a ladle that's this big around, and it's made out of cast iron. She had me trying to bend one later the, earlier this week so that she could make a towel holder. Didn't go too well. But we all, we, get, we kind of get, we've, we've, we've moved out and we've gotten tired of this staying at home. And then not only have we been dealing with this stay at home, now we have unrest in the peace within our nation and we have been having riots and we have been having protests that's been going on galore. We also now have 21 states that have faster growing cases and more cases of COVID than prior to all of this lockdown stuff. And we have all of this turmoil that's within us, that's in our lives. So that's why today, that's, that's why today I want to introduce to you the Good Shepherd. I want to introduce to you today my shepherd. Psalms 23. And in thinking about this, Three decades ago, this company came out and did this survey. Survey was really simple. It asked the question, if you ever had a crisis moment in your life, how many friends do you have that you can call on to come and help you? Three decades ago, the most common answer and common response to that was three friends. I have three friends that I know that at any given point in time, if I had a really dire accident or something really you know, you know, serious happened in my life, I could call them and they would come and help me. Just recently, within the last two years or so, the company came back and did the same survey. They asked the same question. If you had a crisis moment in your life, 
How many friends do you have that you would be able to call to come and help in that crisis moment? What do you think the most common response was? Zero. The most common response today is zero. Now you can imagine that these people that took this test, that whenever they got that response, they then went into a seven or eight month study to figure out why it went from three people three decades ago to zero people now. They spent a bunch of money to try to figure this out. And the only thing that they came up with is that, well, that's the common answer. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody doesn't have any friends to be able to call on. But it's the most common. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, if it's the most common, that zero is the answer, then there's a reason why it's became the most common. The reason why I believe that it's became the most common is because we have too many friends on Facebook or on Twitter or on Snapchat. And we don't really have friends. So let's think about this. I want you to think about this. For those of you that work, how many of your coworkers, if you had a crisis moment, how many of your coworkers would you call for help? What about your neighbors? I live in an apartment in, in an apartment in an apartment complex that has a lot of people that's there. I have one person in that apartment complex that I can call. But out of all of those people that's in that apartment complex that live within a hundred yards of me, one person. A lot of times it's because of the unrest that we're in today, right? There's absolutely nothing that you can say on Facebook about what's going on that somebody won't be offended by it. So what we do is we say, well, okay, I'm not going to offend anybody, so I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to offend my neighbor, so I'm just not going to go bother my neighbor. My neighbor works all the time, so I'm not going to disturb my neighbor whenever he's off because that's his quiet time or her quiet time. That's whenever they're able to kind of rest because they've been at work all day long. I know that you haven't noticed this, but you might have. Homes are set back off the road further today than ever in the history of building homes. Why is that? Why would you think that would be? Because most of the time in the olden days, you sat out on your front porch in the cool of the evening and you waved to your neighbors as they walked by. 
or you talked to your neighbors and you had conversations. Now notice I said that they're set off the road, they're back further off the road, but they're not further away from each other. Because a lot of times you can take a yardstick and stick it out your window and you can touch the house that's next to you. But you still don't know who lives in that house next to you. We've separated ourselves. And in separating ourselves, we've become lonely. This study really didn't have to to be done for us as Christians to realize that there's something missing. Because God created us to have a relationship with Him. He created us in a relationship manner as in, in the us, as in the God, the God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In their image, as in them being close enough together and they having a relationship with one another, He designed us to have a relationship. We need to be in relationship. Being alone hurts. One of the things about it is is that we can be sitting in the midst of a congregation like this today and we can be alone. We can be alone in a group like this because we feel that there's absolutely no one else that is going through what I'm going through. I have to suffer through this alone. We're alone because we have separated ourselves because sometimes we don't want people to know who we are. We don't want people to know who I am behind the scenes Whenever you have friends that come over to your house, how many of your friends have ever made a step into your master bedroom? Because see, in your master bedroom is the privacy of your home. That is the place where only you and your spouse goes. To have a true relationship, we have to allow people to go into our spiritual master bedroom so that they know who we are through and through. Because whenever we're sitting in a moment in a time like today and we feel like we're all alone, we're all alone because of it's our fault. Because we will not allow someone into our spiritual master bedroom. Because we're afraid that they're going to look down upon us. We're afraid that they're going to judge us. I've really gotten way off. 
But see, we're alone a lot of times because of ourselves. Not because there's not someone next to us or close to us that wants to get to know us. We're alone a lot of times because we don't want them to get to know us. We also understand and we know that loneliness, not only does it hurt, but loneliness can kill. Because whenever you're alone long enough in your mind, you begin to contemplate suicide and other things. But we also know through study that especially for the older congregate, for the older ones, for that if your spouse passes away, that your lifespan is shorter if you have less friends than those that have a robust or has a lot of friends. Relationships extend or can extend our lives. So I want to do this. Let's go to Psalms 23. I'm going to read it to you this morning from the NLT, the New Living Translation. But what I want you to do while I'm reading this, I would love for you to close your eyes. And I would love for you to put your place into this metaphor. Put put yourself into this metaphor. We all know this, or most of us know this passage of Scripture. So we know that we're going to be in green meadows. So go ahead and close your eyes and picture that green meadow. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I am not afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Did you notice all of the personal pronouns? All those personal pronouns the psalmist is telling us that this shepherd, which is God, 
that's really unusual for God to be the shepherd. But not only is Yahweh the one that created the heavens and the earth, the one that has created everything that sustains everything, the one that has chosen the Israelites as his chosen people, he is not the shepherd of the Israelites now, but he is my shepherd. David takes this God of the heavens, this one true God, and he brings him into a personal relationship that says he is my shepherd. Back in those days, it would have read a whole lot better and made a whole lot more sense if it would have been our shepherd. Or lead us into green pastures. He was the king. And the king is writing, my shepherd. We get this understanding that this relationship that David is talking about is a special relationship. So in the midst of our struggles, in, in the midst of the times that we feel all alone, we say, my shepherd provides for me, protects me, guides me, heals me, leads me by still waters. Low in the valley of the darkness or in the valley of death. I don't fear. And I don't fear because he is beside me. The problem with it is, is that we don't trust that he's really beside me. We don't trust that if we're in the valley of the darkness and that chaos is all around us, we don't trust that he's really going to provide for me or that he's really going to protect me. There was this story that I was told some time back, and, and I, I keep remembering it whenever I read this particular passage of Scripture. There were these two men that was going out on a, on a safari, and they were going over into Africa to do this wild hunt. They had been saving up their money for several years to be able to do this trip. And they get out there, and they make their way to this small village, and they didn't get this company that was to pick them up at the airport and to take them out on this hunt, on this safari. They, they wanted to get a local guy that would do this for them and, and to guide them through this and to take them into the places that normal people wouldn't go. So they go there and they, they find this young boy and they get him to take him out on this scavenger or on this hunt 
and they're out there for four days. And during this time, they're like, well, you know, we wanted, you know, they loved God and they had a relationship with Christ and they wanted to share that relationship with this gentleman. And limited terms and limited language the skills and stuff, they, they had difficulty. So they figured the best way to do this was to possibly take him through Psalms 23. So through the four, you know, the four days, they took him through this and they kept bringing him through this passage of Scripture and then their time was over and, and they left. About three years or four years later, they had raised up enough money to go back. So they go back and they go back to this village and they hunt for this little boy again. Now, of course, by then he wasn't a little boy. He was older, but they were hunting for them, and, and they couldn't find him. So they began to ask some of the people around in the village about him, and they began to explain and to describe him to the village. Finally, someone said, well, you know, maybe this lady up here in this house can help you. So they go up to this house, and they begin to talk to her, and they tell her about this young boy and all the things that he had done for him, and all of a sudden, this lady, this, you know, she just she started crying. They didn't understand why she was crying. And, and finally, she stops crying enough and she says, that was my son. She said, a year ago or so, they found him at the bottom of the cliff. Oh, the two guys, they were heartbroken. They began to tell her about how they had tried to teach him the third, you know, the 23rd Psalms about the Lord being his shepherd. And she stopped them. And she goes, that answers the question. Because whenever they found him, he was holding this finger. They didn't understand it. She didn't understand that. But now it has significance. The Lord is my shepherd. The young boy had a personal relationship with the shepherd. He was my shepherd. See, in our lives today, we have a God that has came to us through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we would have a relationship with him, so that we can say, as the psalmist says, my shepherd, he's mine. He leads me into green pastures. He takes me by still waters. He provides for me. He protects me. Oh, and don't forget verse 6 where it says, he pursues me. He pursues me. He pursues you. In the times of our weakness, in the times that we're in the darkness, our shepherd is right there by us. Because of his son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it gives us this passage. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd 
lays down his life for his sheep. In John chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. The Lord is my shepherd, my good shepherd, my very best friend. He laid down his life for me and for you. He bore my pain on the cross as he did yours. He paid my debt as he paid yours. His death on the cross so that we would have a relationship with the true shepherd, with Yahweh, with the God that has created everything and that sustains everything. Because he alone is the one that provides for us. I've heard people say over and over and over again that whenever Jesus Christ was on the cross, that I was on his mind. I want to take it a step further for you this morning. Because whenever Jesus was on the cross, I was on his heart. Because everything that he did was for me. Leaving heaven to come and live on this earth was all part of providing salvation to me. I was on his heart so that I would have a relationship with God the Father so that in the times of my darkness that I know that the shepherd was right there by my side. So that whenever struggles come along, And he's right there. That whenever I felt most alone, that the one that created me was right there by my side. It says that he guided us and he directs us. It says that he has this rod and he has this staff. And I want you to kind of grab a hold of this this morning because To me, this is one of those really key things that whenever we look at this, a rod is meant for correction. A staff is meant for cuddling and for drawing near. So the rod is the long straight part of a shepherd's staff. And the staff, at the end of it, it would have a little curve that whenever the sheep was there, he would be able to reach out and pull that sheep closer to him. It works together. The same staff that draws is the same staff that corrects. God's love draws. God's love corrects. but he pursues us. We didn't pursue him. 
our fleshly desire is to run away from him. But he pursues us because he loves us. Because he wants to have this relationship with us. John 15, 13 says that there's no one and that there's no greater love than the one that lays down his life for you. There is no one that you can trust any more than the one that lays down his life for you. Can we trust God? Absolutely. Can God trust us? On a good day. Can God trust us? I think about this movie. Our children's director periodically finds it necessary to to come to my house and and to watch TV with my wife and I and she decided that she was going to look through our DVD play, you know DVD collection and she she found this movie called The Island. Now I really don't recommend for you to to, to watch the movie, but we watched the movie and I'm going to use it as an illustration for you because this movie is about these rich people that has a scientist that has designed a way and has a way to be able to clone those people as long as they pay enough money. Okay, so you've got these clones that live over here and you've got this rich society that has spent the money for their clones. So they now go and they live the life that they want to live and they live it to the fullest. And then one of the people that's in there is this millionaire philanthropist that runs around and he drinks a lot and he parties all the time and he drives fast motorcycles and fast cars and he's designed a boat that goes faster than any boat that's out there and he's living his life to the wild all the time knowing that he has a life insurance that's sitting over here somewhere else that if he breaks a leg or if he gets an arm cut off or something like that that they have another one that's an exact match to him that they can put back on and he can go on living the life the way that he wants to. There's a football player that takes all the drugs and stuff so that he can be the strongest and the fastest football player knowing that it's destroying his heart and he's okay with it because he has another heart that's over here just waiting for him whenever this one here explodes. They're living their life to the fullest because they have an insurance policy that's sitting over here to the side that guarantees that they're going to be okay. We have an insurance policy with God Almighty knowing that he is our shepherd and knowing that he is our shepherd, we should be able to live a life that is full of confidence knowing that he loves us, knowing that he is going to protect us, knowing that he is going to provide for us, knowing that in our darkest moment in time that he is sitting right there next to us. And if we love that and we do that and we trust that, then why in the world do 
we hold on to our money so tight? Why is it whenever we know that someone needs our money, we're going to say, no, it's, it's my money. i got to have this because I might need it later on down the line. Well, then you're not trusting God to provide for your needs. He says, test me. Give me the money and see if I won't multiply it. We're afraid that God is not going to do what he tells us he's going to do. We should be afraid of ourselves because God is trusting us to spread his gospel and we're not doing what he is trusting us to do. Wow, I think I'm going to start meddling today in this morning service here. Because the thing about it is, is that we have people that are complaining about not being able to come into the church, but whenever you ask them to come together and meet somewhere outside of the church and do a Bible study, they can't do it. Because God only shows up in the church. Who's the church? Is it this building? It's us. But all we want to do, oh, I can't wait to get back into the church. God wants us to be the church where we are. And if we truly trusted him, then we would do exactly what he wants us to do. And we would do it with abandonment, with no care whatsoever. I don't care if my neighbor knows who I am. I get to, our community has a swimming pool. And, and yes, it's open, but it's only open for the people that live there. And I get to go there every single day. And I get to talk to people every single day. I want you to know, I look forward to Tuesday night swim at 9 o'clock. Because there's a young guy that swims every Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I swim about two or three laps. He swims about 15 or 16, maybe even 20. And then I get to sit there and talk to him. I get to talk to him about my God. I get to talk to him about my shepherd. Is it inconvenience for me to walk all the way to the swimming pool? I don't know if it's an inconvenience because I really like swimming. I grew up with a swimming pool in the backyard. We can't be afraid to talk to people about God because of what God has done for us and because of what he provides for us because of what he gives to us. The love that God has given to us, that love, we should be spreading it like bandits if you can do it that way. There should absolutely not be a single person that we do not love because of God's love within us. He's my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I should have confidence 
that he is going to provide for me and protect me. Now, yes, that does not mean go out and be foolish. That does not mean that if you have a bill that's due and somebody needs money and you give them the money, that means that you can't pay that bill. I don't think God's asking you to do that. You do have to be smart. He gave some of us common sense. (laughs) I'm glad somebody got that. This morning, I want each and every one of us to realize this, that the good shepherd, he knows all about that promotion at work that you want so much. You have to trust that he's going to supply your every need, regardless if it's the promotion or not. The good shepherd, he knows all about your medical decision that looms in the future. You have to trust that he will give the wisdom or give you the wisdom that you need in making that decision. The good shepherd, he knows that you need groceries. You have to trust that he'll provide it. The good shepherd, you have to know that he cares for every bit of you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the five or six that fell out this morning whenever you combed it. He cares for you. This morning, do you truly trust in the Good Shepherd? Let's stand. As Chris comes and plays for us this morning, The altar's open. See, I had you to close your eyes whenever I read that and to put yourself in that place. Put yourself in the metaphor. Where are you? Where are you in that metaphor? Are you in a dark place in your life right now? Is there uncertainty in your life? The Good Shepherd's here to provide for you. Or you just simply warn, slap out. That's really tired, by the way. Because of all the stress 
that's been going on because of all the struggles in this world today. He has a green pasture for you to lie in. Is your cupboard bare this morning? He has a nice, still, calm stream for you to come and to drink and to get what you need. You might not even know him as your shepherd. But can I let you know something? He's pursuing you today. He's calling out to you today. Saying, today, I can be your shepherd. Today, I can be the one that leads you and guides you and directs you. Today, I can be the one that removes all the stress. I can be the one that takes away your loneliness. Because I'm right here by your side. Your life might be surrounded by your enemy. He says, I'm the one that's going to prepare a feast for you in front of your enemies. Showing them that you trust in the God Almighty. And the one that controls all things. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in one of those places and you need that good shepherd this morning. He's here for you. If you really don't have a relationship with Him, He's here. There's some that are making their way here to the altar already this morning. If you're there at home and you need a good shepherd, He's right there with you. Trust in Him today. The Lord is my shepherd. Trust Him today with your all in all. Trust Him with your struggles. Father, God, we thank you for being here with us, your spirit ministering to us today. God, I pray for the ones that are here this morning, God, that have came to the altar. God, I pray for the ones that are at home right now that are praying and calling out to you. God, I pray for those, dear Lord, today that for the first time for the first time in their life they can say that you are their shepherd that you're the one that's providing for them and protecting them that your staff is drawing them close oh dear heavenly father God I thank you for the ones that are here 
God, if they have prayed that as well, dear Lord, wherever they are, whether they're in the dark times of their life or whatever it is, that you were their shepherd and that you were right by their side and that you will never leave them nor forsake them, that you will always, always be their shepherd regardless of how lonely they feel. You never leave them. You'll never leave them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just ask you or remember, we have Tuesday night prayer meeting at 7. Be here in the sanctuary, uh, so please come and be a part of be a part of that with us. All right, let's bow our heads for benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you, dear Lord, so much for today. God, I thank you for this message that you have given to us. I thank you that you are my shepherd. God, I pray that your face would shine upon each one that is here, and that your blessings will be poured out on them. In Jesus' name, amen.